The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews along with news and opinions on the television industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who has red hair and briefly served in the Mexican Navy, Ricardo Shelly Shelly, otherwise known as my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways. This week, with CBS making an early return for the year, we are only going to be reviewing The Big Bang Theory and Person of Interest, and also Elementary in our Airwaves Rundown section, in our final shortened episode, as we will be returning to a full set of reviews beginning next week. But before we get into all of that, we have everyone's favorite section, News with Nico, which is back for the first time this year. Conan O'Brien sold a comedy project to Fox. Oh boy. Conan O'Brien's Conoco Production House has sold a new comedy project to Fox. Bob's New Heart Show follows a young doctor who undergoes a heart transplant and has a change of, well, heart with regard to his hard partying lifestyle and decides to move back to his hometown and head up a small practice. The project's creator, Ben Wexler, is currently a staff writer for Community's fourth season. Wexler will write and executive produce the script with O'Brien and Konoko's David Kissinger and Jeff Ross also on board as executive producers. Warner Brothers TV, where O'Brien's production company is based, is going to be the studio. Wexler's credits include Community, Breaking In, and The Good Guys, all shows I loved. I'm hoping this gets picked up for the fall because I think it's going to be good. If Conan's behind it, it's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll see him back to writing for TV maybe a little bit. That would be cool. Yes, it would. Da Vinci's Demons, How Leonardo Da Vinci is Like Batman. Okay. The show focuses on a young Da Vinci played by Tom Riley, and series creator David Goyer noted there were actually a few correlations between Batman and Da Vinci, including Bob Kane basing Batman's cape design on Da Vinci's flying machine design, and both men having issues with missing parents and important moments in caves. Goyer noted that Da Vinci wrote about something horrific that happened to him in a cave, which will be explored in this series. Goyer said Da Vinci's Demons was 80 to 85% based on fact, but embellished with what we're calling historical fantasy. As he explained, one of the themes of the show is history is a lie, constantly being overwritten by the winners, describing Da Vinci's Demons as the secret history of the man who invented the future. Da Vinci's Demons premieres Friday, April 12th on Stars, and I think I will be watching. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, there's a preview available on the website that you can link to in the ACC feed or that is on our Facebook and Twitter feeds, and it really looks cool. Now, is there a, is a conspiracy thing going on this sh- in this show that he's trying to fight or anything like that? Or You know, you don't really get a sense of what the overall story arc is going to be. Other than it's Da Vinci, and he seems to be very much like Batman. He's fighting the evils of 
the day trying to go up against the corrupt church in some cases, but also working with the church in other cases. So it sounds it, like it an really, Assassin's Creed kind of thing. Yeah, it very, <laughs> it very much felt like Assassin's Creed slash Batman, you know, and it was really cool. So I, I, I think I really want to see it to see where it goes. Yeah, that makes me want to check it out now. I be a big fan of those games. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller plotting TV return. Uh-oh. Everybody's favorite Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, may be back on the small screen next fall as the star of a new half-hour comedy. The potential and currently untitled series, which is being developed at 20th Century Fox TV, chronicles the hijinks parents get into while their kids are not at home. Gellar would play the wife-slash-mother. Hopefully, I'll get more into this show than I did her last effort with the twins. Yes. A Firefly Universe Online MMO reactivates with Fox's well wishes. Is the dream of a Firefly MMO still flying? The folks at Dark Cryo Entertainment think so. The unlikely project seemed doomed due to unauthorized use of the intellectual property, but that may have changed. Dark Cryo posted a notice on the project's Facebook page indicating that Fox has given something of a go-ahead. With the well wishes of Fox Entertainment Group, we have reactivated the Firefly Universe Online MMORPG. Facebook page in preparation for our upcoming Kickstarter campaign. A popular alpha launch may reawaken licensing consideration, in which case we may then include an expansion pack containing derivative content. According to the counter on the front page, the crowdsourcing attempt to fund further development will begin um, in about 16 days. So if you're interested in a Firefight Universe Online MMO, go check that out and... It was originally or unofficially announced back in June of 2011. So this is the newest information regarding that MMO, and it looks like it might be moving forward. So that's kind of interesting. Yes, sir. And that's the news with Nico for this week. Well, like a lot of things to look forward to for Joss Whedonites and Assassin's Creed fans, it seems like. Indeed. All right, so I'll, now we're going to move on to talking about an episode of The Big Bang Theory that's really sparked up a lot of discussion and chatter on the internet, believe it or not. I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I know people have their discrepancies. I have mine. But TV's about generating buzz. Okay, this episode of The Big Bang Theory sure succeeded in that. So let's talk about the episode, The Egg Salad Equivalency, now. All started with The Big Bang Sheldon gets all the guys before the Human Resources Department when he tries to talk to Alex about her advances towards Leonard. Alex's actions also make Penny feel insecure. Yeah, and I'm going to start this out with the fun part, doing our regular favorite comedic moment. Then we'll get into the deeper stuff, because it goes a little bit. This week's episode of The Big Bang Theory was totally on fire, I thought, in the middle section of the episode, otherwise known as Act 2. Because it was able to string together a consecutive set of outstanding comedic scenes that seemed to have this snowball effect on the laughs. First, we went from Sheldon using false names and making t-shirts for the girls that read Sheldon Cooper's Countable Ladies. I believe my present situation requires the collective wisdom of the group. Which, as you can see from your commemorative t-shirts, I have dubbed uh, Sheldon Cooper's Council of Ladies. To getting himself unintentionally accused of sexual harassment by Alex. Getting erupting into all of the guys getting brought before the Human Resources Department. However, I have to say my favorite line of the whole thing came from Amy, who mentioned that she has a lab filled with cocaine-addicted monkeys who have nothing to lose. And one could end up in the backseat of Alex's car 
or in her shower for flirting with Leonard. She's right. But say the word, I got a lab full of cocaine-addicted monkeys with nothing to lose. One of them could end up in the backseat of her car. Or her shower. This slide to me set the bar for the great humor that was a part of this episode. And it just seemed to keep getting better from there. Making this episode of The Big Bang Theory up there among some of the greats in my opinion. Just like this season's parking spot episode. Or when Sheldon had to help Penny after dislocating her shoulder in the bathtub. So with that, Nico, I'm going to let you share your favorite comedic moment, and then we'll dig into some of our, I don't know if I want to say discrepancies about this episode, but observations. Sure. Dan, to be honest, I have to say my favorite comedic moment would have to be that awkward talking to that Sheldon gave to Alex. My father used to say that a woman is like an egg salad sandwich on a warm Texas day. (laughs) What? Full of eggs and only appealing for a short time. This conversation is making me uncomfortable. Yeah, you and me both, sister. Well, not nearly as laugh-out-loud funny as many of the things we've seen on the show in the past, some of the ones that you just mentioned included. This was a brilliantly awkward scene that worked so well for me that I had to mention it as my favorite. Likewise, I love the giant Jenga game in the opening scene. Yes. Well, I must say, Leonard... When I first heard your idea for giant Jenga, I was skeptical. I can't blame you. Tiny Twister was a complete bust. Oh, no, but I was wrong. The, the looming threat of being crushed under a pile of lumber does add a certain spice. I've never felt so alive. Once again, not funny, haha, but hilarious in the concept. Now, that all being said, I, I think I'm officially over the whole Leonard and Penny thing, and I'm actually wow. hoping for a possible Leonard and Alex hookup. But that may just be that I found Penny the least interesting and definitely least funny character for the la- all of last season and pretty much all of this season as well. I don't know, maybe I've lost it, or maybe I've just been spoiled on Penny and has shattered. And just like that, the illusion was shattered my illusion on her and now i see all her faults either way i'm tired of her and not really rooting for her and leonard though i know it's where the ultimate story has to go now or at least that's where i think it has to go but i must be the only one because big bang played to a total audience of 19 million viewers this week while rising 9% from its last fresh outing to matching a series high demo rating of 6 wow yeah Holy shnikes, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, for a six-season show, too. Yeah, a six. That yeah. That's unheard of, you know? I mean... Well, the problem I had with this episode, the discrepancy, it wasn't the episode itself. It was everything I saw about the, ap- the episode afterwards in terms of reviews. A lot mm-hmm. of people kept calling this episode the episode where Sheldon got what was coming to him. And it made it sound like he was this, like, huge sex offender. And to me, he's not that. He's just a socially awkward person. Oh, absolutely. So I didn't get why they thought he he got what he was deserved or need to be punished. I, I don't think that's anything Sheldon's done wrong. It's just kind of who he is. Well, it's just from all the things that he's done to the guys that finally he someone had to tell him that he what he's doing is unacceptable. Yeah, That's, I think, what they're, they're getting at. Because, you know, the way he interacts with everybody... He's wrong a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times he's actually – his observations make sense, but a lot of the times he, he, the way he treats people is wrong. He just doesn't realize it because of his social 
awkwardness or social, um, not anxiety, but social awkwardness, I think is the right thing to say. So like people realize that or they see it and they're like, oh, Sheldon finally got his comeuppance. And I don't know if I agree with that or if he should have or he deserves to be punished. I just think it was funny in this episode that, you know, everybody got hauled into the HR department. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, it was a it was a snowball effect situation. Okay, that was perfect. And what you said about in terms of the guys him getting what was coming to him, I, I get that. I mm-hmm. feel you there. It's just in terms of him like being this sex offender or things like that. I, I don't feel that way. He's just a very literal person. And sometimes him being that literal gets him into trouble. Right. But he's learning. And that's why we watch him every week to see him develop and struggle with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that pretty much covers Big Bang Theory. I mean, they must be doing something right if they're getting that many viewers. Right. 19 million. That's crazy. And I hope that ratings spike continued onto the show that occurred later on that night, Person of Interest, with a pretty solid episode that got us back on the swing of things after a brief hiatus, the episode 2 Pi R. The team's newest person of interest is a teen genius, and Finch goes undercover as a substitute teacher to protect him. Meanwhile, Carter takes on her first assignment as a temp agent for the FBI. You know, I've got to hand it to the writers of Person of Interest. Whenever, I guess, they feel the show gets on the verge of becoming repetitive, they know just when to mix it up. And they did so here by continuing right where the mid-season finale left off, with Agent Donnelly arresting Reese and now having him at Rikers. But instead of going into a breakout-of-prison episode, Reese sat on the sidelines in prison, because Finch and Fusco were brought to the forefront on this week's Person of Interest case. And I don't know about you, Nico, but I like that they did this based on these reasons. First off, I know Finch has an infinite amount of resources, but I think if Reese got out of jail right at the beginning of this episode, it would have made Agent Donnelly look inept. And that would have hurt the reputation that I think his character should evolve into of being the higher legitimate authority who the big-time villains should answer to. That kind of reminds us the government that exists in the world of this show is not all corrupt. Secondly, putting Reese on the sidelines of this episode was an impressive way for the writers of Person of Interest to show off their versatility, because it proved they could still deliver a highly entertaining episode, relying on espionage and surveillance, instead of the usual butt-kicking, motorcycle stunts, and shootouts we get when Reese is the lead. Finally, with Carter working on getting Reese out of jail in the backstory, Fitch and Fusco being brought into the forefront developed what I thought was a solid camaraderie between the two men that I really enjoyed watching. And what made it interesting was the friendship between Finch and Fusco. It seems to be much less antagonizing compared to what Fusco has with Reese because they seem to share this kinship of trying to make up for their past mistakes, which came to play a bigger part at the end of this episode. So, Nico, based on what sportscasters would call these keys to the episode, did you think placing Finch and Fusco in the forefront was the right game plan for this week's Person of Interest? Absolutely, Dan. You nailed it with your key points to the episode. Finch and Fusco were the Finch and Reese of this week's Person of Interest. I love when series take risks like this, and Person of Interest has always found new and surprising ways to tinker with its formula. Earlier in the series, the norm was shaken up when Finch had to go into the field 
to save Reese, or right. Reese had to team up with Carter, or there was the earlier in this season the great arc when Reese had to team up with the machine to find Finch. But in two pi r, Reese was more absent than we've ever seen before, leaving the number of the week entirely in Finch's hand. And I thought it was a brilliant move for the show to put Fusco, the more Reese-like character of the Carter Fusco pair, with Finch and pair the Finch-like character of Carter with Reese this week. Well, in a sense that she was on the case of trying to free him from prison. Right. Sort of a mix-up of the status quo pairings. And you were not wrong, Dan. The Finch and Fusco pairing worked very well as they do have a more symbiotic and less antagonistic relationship than Reese and Fusco, which I think is the result of both men being the more action-oriented. That's Reese and Fusco. Yeah. Muscle guys, while Finch and Carter are the brains, or... It could be how Fusco came to be a member of the team and how Reese keeps him under his thumb with the threat of exposing him as a dirty cop might have something to do with that antagonism. Yeah, I you know? agree. Those are those are all viable possibilities. I also thought is you know this idea that they're both trying to seek redemption for mistakes they've made. Yeah, they definitely. Deal got to have a lot of guilt that weighs upon them. And also, you know, a lot of this HR behind the back stuff that Fusco's doing, and he's kind of being pressured by Simmons, he may actually come forward and tell Finch what's going on based on the friendship that they developed in this episode. I mean, they've already had a friendship, but based on it becoming deeper in this episode. Yeah, I like that possibility. Yeah. Okay, moving forward, I liked what I'm going to start deeming as the person of interest twist of the week, where the high school student Caleb, otherwise known as the intern Finn Abernathy from Bones, was a drug dealer and a genius computer programmer who was trying to financially secure his mother before committing suicide in retribution for accidentally killing his brother. Basically, I felt that this took the tired going back to school TV plotline in a new direction as the twist ultimately resulted in Finch preventing Caleb from killing himself without this preachy speech that required standing on a desk and cheering, but instead reiterating the importance of Pi and its connection to living. In other words, Finch did forever change Caleb's life by sending him off to the magical world of college. He just got him to accept his life for what it is and deal with it which is a much more feasible outcome for this show's sense of realism. Although with this breath of fresh air to so many inspirational teacher films and TV episodes, it still had its flaws. And I, as I thought it was kind of unrealistic for a blind eye to be turned towards a kid dealing drugs at a school, and seeing this would probably for sure upset Carter and maybe Reese, but I guess it worked story-wise as Fusco and Finch overlooking Caleb's actions emphasized upon the kinship the two men had formed over wanting to make up for their past mistakes. And the two of them, I guess, as in Fusco and Finch, like, silently agreed to kind of keep this kid's whole situation somewhat under wraps, I think also was another way to just tie in their friendship going along with that theory I have where Fusco may become comfortable enough with Finch to tell him what's going on with HR. So I think all of that, that stuff, doing it that way with them turning a blind eye to the kid was to emphasize a trust between them that will get Fusco out of his HR mess. So, Nico, what did you think of the outcome to Caleb's story? Did you agree with me on the notion that this is a breath of fresh air to the overused going-back-to-school plotline? Well, Dan, I definitely agree that I liked the Caleb story, but I'm not sure that I agree that it was, in fact, the back-to-school plotline that is way overused in TV. I do agree that is way overused in TV. 
I guess technically you could say it qualifies as Finch went undercover as a teacher, but I usually think of this TV trope being more of a young cop going undercover as a student in a 21 Jump Street sort of story. But regardless, the Caleb story arc was very well done, if not a little too obvious that both he was a genius and that he was the drug dealer. I knew the moment the drug dealers at school dropped the money with the homeless guy that it was Caleb for sure, but I had an inkling well before that. Also, while the mystery of what was going on with these kids was sufficient to keep us invested in the story, I felt it lacked an emotional depth that would have made it a much better story this week. This was probably a victim of the necessity to also have the Carter Reese storyline, but if they could have spent the entire episode diving into the Caleb backstory, we could have had or we could have felt his grief and despair and it would have made the scene with Finch in the subway more powerful and impactful. It's just a minor gripe I had in an otherwise excellent episode. Well, yeah, and and kind of jumping forward on my notes, I mean, there's two things about that. One, I kind of felt that maybe that those Carter scenes could have been left off screen Mm -hmm. to be able to leave room for those scenes with Caleb, for the scenes about Caleb's backstory. So I think if they would have maybe cut those out, that would have given them the opportunity. Also, I was just recapping on this episode by visiting Mm CBS.com. And in their recap for the episode, they talk about how there was supposed to be flashbacks in this episode to Fitch taking care of his father who was suffering from Alzheimer's. Yeah. And they dropped that plot line. So I don't know if putting that in there would have, you know, resolved the issue you had with it not packing that, you know, emotional punch that maybe it could have done. Yeah, you know, for the most part, the the story did work all right for me. Like I mentioned a moment ago, I felt that just the connection between Finch and Caleb could have been made so much better if they had had the time in the episode to really dive into the depths of Caleb's grief-ridden despair. And if they had not had, as we just mentioned, the Carter Reese story arc, then they would have had those Finch flashbacks you just mentioned and taking care of his ailing father and this impact slash connection between the two would have been even stronger and a much better episode. I almost felt like they missed a huge opportunity now having learned about what was initially planned for the episode. I guess it was, you know, too bad that not that the Reese being captured and put in prison stuff was not brilliant last episode. It was. But if it had happened after this episode or Reese being out of commission for this episode for another reason would have made this episode, I think, so much better if they had made it maybe the one right before the one where Reese gets caught. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I think a lot of that stuff with the the Alzheimer's scenes I was mentioning, I could see that getting pushed to another episode. Oh, absolutely. I just think it would have made this episode even better. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. And also, I said how how I'm saying how to drop those Carter seeds. I still feel like we needed the scene at the beginning with Reese and the scene at the end with Reese in this episode. I just thought the middle stuff with Carter, where she was got the nightclub and got the guy's DNA and all that stuff was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of actually liked the Carter's little James Bond-like mission to infiltrate the secure DNA lab yeah. and swap out the DNA samples with another dude sample. I, I thought some of that was actually pretty great and would have been happy if they, you know, could have made it all work together. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It was okay. I just thought that, yeah, I, I would have been happier if it was in another episode. Well, and I always feel like the sometimes the mid-season premieres are a little bit slower than mm-hmm. the finales. Yeah, absolutely. And I think next week's going to be much more ripped up on the action. I agree. And there was another thing mentioned in this episode. It Finch's 
final scene where we did get some more backstory revealed about him in the sense that he was supposedly the hacker that revealed the open source capability of the internet to the world, which I think explains why Finch changed his name while in college Mm -hmm. and was tapped by the government to build the machine. Nico, did you think that the backstory about Finch being associated with the origins of the internet created a viable connection between him and Caleb that played off in the end? Or did you think it was a little far-fetched? You know, it did work for me, Dan, but like we've mentioned a couple times already i think that that connection could have been strengthened if we had seen some of those scenes with how finch and caleb's lives are similar with finch having had to deal with his father as his health deteriorated and maybe as he forgot his son you know as as finch was forgotten by his father much like caleb's mom who was struggling with alcoholism would forget her and forget to do things for him and kind of just she retreated into her grief i think that that would have made this so much more impactful if we had seen those scenes like we had just mentioned before you know i kind of feel like i I said this already but i feel like they missed a huge opportunity in in this episode to do that but i also feel like because we knew that they were going to do that it kind of hurt the episode away too yeah you know i I think having not known that going in or not known that while watching it we probably it it definitely was better it was after the fact that i found out about that so you know i i I just felt like oh it could have been so much better it was still good it was still really good but it could have been better yeah and i mean and that's the reason why they won't let us see this supposed alternate script that was partially written for the dark knight rises with the joker in it because we would have been like oh it could have been so much better if it was that right that's what they did here right and about the internet thing, a reviewer at tvfanatic.com praised this internet connection thing because he felt it foreshadowed crazy changes for the machines. Kind of, I guess, it, technology in general in the real world, which seems likely. But I was kind of shaky on the writers exaggerating actual history just for character story development. I mean, we know Finch is a genius with computers based on inventing the machine, but I just thought this idea of making him responsible for the internet was a little extraneous and kind of on the corny side. I mean, where are you with that, Nico? Yeah, they weren't really saying that Finch invented the internet. That was Al Gore, remember? Right. But seriously, they, they're just saying that the internet was reg- originally designed as a closed system for the military to use as communications between missile silos, ho- headquarters, bases, and etc. And that Finch was able to hack into the orig- original closed system and expose it to the world, thus helping to create an open access internet we now know today. In reality, that's not far from how the internet was initially developed right. in real life, though it was academics that created the first free open World Wide Web. But maybe a hacker gave them the information to do it from the military, and they based it on the military specs. And I think that's what they're saying, is how we went from this ARPA, ARPNET, whatever they, they called it in the show, to the what was originally called the World Wide Web. And to a certain extent, that may also help with Finch in dealing with his guilt, because the internet has done a lot of good. Oh, yeah. Compared to the machine. You know, I mean, that it feels like, especially if it was for educational purposes. I mean, that's, that's uh, I mean, 
essentially he was trying to do, a, I guess, a good thing with what he was doing by opening it up to everyone. Yeah, these networks were originally developed so that professors and different academics could share information uh, between computers and share information on the research that they were doing across the country in moments rather than having to wait for the, the speed of the post or for you know phone calls, which you don't get all the information. So they could share their data instantaneously or you know as fast as you can track travel over a phone line you know because that's what they originally were they were dial-up networks and so yeah so it was and it sounds like finch's character yeah very much so that that kind of idea he would uh, he would like that idea of minds collaborating i guess that would fascinate him so i could see why he did what he did with that Mm -hmm. and finally with carter's story of getting the dna sample i know we said that maybe could have been done off camera i sort of started getting disappointed got the end of this episode that reese was going to get off the hook so easily at getting out of jail I mean, yes, the James Bond thing, you said it was kind of fun, but I'm like, that's all she has to do? I mean, this is the FBI here. This is so much more challenging. And then the writers set up this scenario of Agent Donnelly ordering Carter to interrogate the four suspects he believes to be the man in the suit, beginning with Reese. And yes, there are probably those of you who are annoyed that the that this episode brushed the more important matter of getting Reese out of prison off to the side. But really, it was my opinion, to raise anticipation for next week, where we are going to get the explosive jailbreak worthy of the conflict that's been building up with Agent Donnelly over the past several episodes where he's appeared. And it may even come to a head. However, if that does happen, I think Agent Donnelly is going to become what I'm going to say is a shaky ally to Reese and his team, as in an antagonist to them who realizes that Reese is a necessary evil, but will still arrest him if given the opportunity. Kind of like what I'm thinking is like Tommy Lee Jones' character in The Fugitive in U.S. Marshals. So with that, Nico, uh, what were your thoughts on how Reese is going to get out of jail? Did you have any final thoughts about this episode? To be honest, Dan, I'm not sure where or how they're going to get Reese out of prison. I actually thought Cutter's little James Bond-like mission, as I mentioned, to infiltrate the secure DNA lab and actually swap out the DNA sample with another dude's sample was great and would have been happy if they could have had him sort of skate on being the man in the suit investigation in this episode. And then Finch do a little fancy hacking to get his paperwork switched with someone else's who was in the same prison. So he was released on the bank heist charges because it had him in there for something else. I think this may still be how they get him to just walk out the front gate, but it also could be a prison break. But I just don't like the prison break sort of idea because I don't think that is person of interest style. It would make Reese the FBI's most wanted and hardly able to operate in New York City. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how they do it. But however they do it, it's going to be better than anything I can think of. Yeah, and I guess I should define what I mean by breakout. I mean, I don't think it's going to be they're going to blow a hole in the prison and there are going to be guns blazing running out of there. I'm thinking it's going to be more like a like a heist kind of thing. Oh, I, I understood. I just was mentioning that it could very well be a prison break, sort of sneak them out, sort of, right. you know, not not a, a, an old-fashioned tear down the wall, hook the horse to the, to the window and pull down the whole wall sort of jailbreak um, from the Old West. But I do think it could be an elaborate heist like you mentioned. I'm yeah. also thinking that with that interrogation scene, we may get flashbacks. Uh, I agree. Either to something with Reese's past or something with Carter's past in the military. Yeah, we haven't seen Carter 
a, a flashback to Carter's past in a long time. So it'd be really cool to see some more of that. Since we did know, we, you know, the last time we saw her, we, we learned that she was a very effective interrogator, but right. a lot of times she did not like some of the information she was getting or the methods she was having to use. And she's back in that scenario again. Exactly. So, so I think we'll see some more of that. It's going to be interesting to see her face that challenge. Yep. All right. Well, that's enough with Person of Interest. I think we're going to get a great episode this Thursday, so look forward to that. And this one was pretty good. I mean, it had its flaws, but the show's still going strong. And hopefully Absolutely. those ratings show that as well. So with that, is it time for the rundown? You're watching CBS. Sci-Fi's home from Mondays. FX. In USA. Characters welcome. EMT. We know trauma. It is indeed. Which is a little this shorter. Week's, this week's Airways Rundown is going to consist of one single show, and that would be Elementary, with the 11th episode, the mid-season premiere, Dirty Laundry. Sherlock and Joan are called to investigate the death of the general manager of a high-end Manhattan hotel after her body is found inside one of the hotel's washing machines. With Joan's time as his companion drawing to an end, Sherlock asks Joan to stay. Well, on this week's episode of Elementary, Sherlock Holmes did something I truly did not expect. He smoked out a nest of Russian spies. Yes, after a hotel manager's body was found in the industrial washing machine, her grieving widower was, in the course of events, revealed to be nothing less than a sleeper agent puppeted by everyone's favorite spy-crazed foreign land, Russia, because it's still 1980, and his daughter, a prospective Georgetown student who is a full U.S. citizen, could possibly one day have access to the highest governmental agencies. Guys, which of my other favorite rundown shows does this kind of remind of you? Need a hint? This was a Carrie Matheson <laughs> homage, if ever I did see one. And to that, I say, I can't fault your taste, writers. If you're going to rip off another show, Homeland is as good, if not better, than any to do it. However, as there was no way Lucy Liu, a sworn stoic, was going to pony up the cry faces they needed in this episode, so they brought in a poor man's Kristen Stewart wannabe to ugly sob her way through the episode. What a horrible character this was. She <laughs> pushed her mom, knocked her out. Believing she had killed her mother, she then fled the scene without making sure her mom was, you know, actually dead. Rather, the parent's Russian handler realizes that he can use this death to turn the girl and force her to be a spy as well and be that high echelon, get her degree, become a high echelon government worker, and then spy for the Russians. But lo and behold, the mother's not dead, so he has to kill her a second time to hold, hold that death over the daughter. Now that I've crapped all over this episode, let me say that I actually did like the episode. It may seem like I didn't. That it was, you know, it was really a cool idea about the sleeper cell agents that have a baby and will be a full US citizen raised in the US with spy parents. That's kind of actually a really cool idea. A brilliant idea that was for the most part pulled off very well. Where this episode missed, and I mean missed like a guy who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, was in the casting of the daughter. This actress, or I'll give her a possible benefit of the doubt, the writing of this character was terrible. My money's actually on the actress being the problem, but that's another thing. She didn't sell it and as I mentioned earlier, was a poor man's Kristen Stewart, who already is scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> for actresses, you know, dr acting dramatically. Ultimately, I loved the concept for this episode 
and was strung along for the ride to great effect by the plot, but the one very poor performance by a guest actress ruined the outcome. But not enough to completely write off this episode. Ugh, this could have been so much better. Luckily, next week, I think we will see the introduction of this version of Sherlock Holmes's Moriarty, with the episode Ooh. simply entitled M. But that is merely deductive speculation on my part. I think they need an overarching story. I think that we're going to get it in this episode. Now, I did, when I was preparing my notes for this section, I did read a few negative things about this episode. And essentially, the idea that this conflict between Joan and, or Watson and Holmes, and the fact that she's leaving, she's taken another job, so that this was going to be the last week we would see her. I mean, come on. It's Watson and Holmes. There's no way she's leaving. Are they the writers really trying to build suspense around her not being there anymore or leaving him? You know, that it just was really poorly done. I think and they're the just super- trying to create conflict is all it is. Right, but really that there is no conflict because we know that right. she's not gonna ever she's not ever gonna leave. You know, it, that that's not the way the story goes. I mean, yes, in the original Sherlock Holmes, he does go back to medicine and does go and, and everything. But he's still all the time working with Holmes, you know, and so I just don't see it as a real conflict. And they're going to they're going to wrap it up next week when I think this Moriarty character shows up. It may give her the built in excuse to stick around. Well, I think she's going to become fascinated with this and and it's going to fascinate him. And maybe she's going to be worried that he'll relapse or that it'll cause addictive his addictive personality to return because he's being challenged by somebody finally. But I I don't know what it's going to be. But ultimately, I think next week is going to end this ridiculousness of her (laughs) possibly leaving him. So I did have to mention that because I did see it all over every, you know, pretty much TV.com, IGN, all these places I, I look at and we always look for our TV news also have some, some good reviews and good ideas out there. And I meant, I, I saw it on a couple message boards and stuff for the, for the show. So I just wanted to mention that. Well, it seems like Thursday's episode is something to get excited for. I am definitely excited for it. All right. Well, believe it or not, that's it for today's episode. But for those of you wanting more, believe me, you will get it next week. Indeed. So with that, we're going to move on to the closing, where Nico will tell you guys what's going down on next week's episode. Yeah, on next week's episode, we will be returning to our normal schedule of reviews with the return from winter hiatus of our favorite shows, Once Upon a Time, Castle, Go On, Modern Family, The Big Bang Theory, Person of Interest, and Fringe all returning. We will also be rounding out the episode as always with our airways rundown section which will include the season premiere of justified new girl and the possible moriarty elementary episode i just mentioned and probably much much more for even more reviews of our favorite shows check out our blogs and now the forums on our website across the airwaves.com and you can access those forums by visiting across the airwaves.com slash forums also, if you want more from Across the Airways, you can check out our spinoff podcasts. We have ATA Retro Reviews, which covers TV shows that were canceled or went out on their own terms. And uh, Michael and Wu have just recently released an interesting episode about the series finale of Power Rangers in Space. 
And also we've got Across the Airways DC Nation podcast, which is finally going back to doing what it's intended to do, which is reviewing new episodes of Young Justice and Green Lantern, the animated series. Because those shows have finally, finally returned from hiatus this past Saturday. So expect an episode of that coming out where we're going to actually review the shows that the podcast is designed to cover. And also with that, we cover episodes of the comic book Smallville Season 11, written by our friend to the podcast, Brian Q. Miller. And also, returning January 16th, or about the week of January 16th, will be ATA Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast, which is a podcast hosted by Michael and Wu that cover episodes of the hit CW TV series Arrow in more detail. Also, if you want to contact us in any way about upcoming episodes of your favorite shows to let us know ways that we could improve or let us know things you like about the podcast, you can contact us by visiting our website at www.acrosstheairways.com. Okay, there you can email us at acrosstheairways at gmail.com. Again, that's a Across the airways at gmail.com. You can also click the like button on our page to join our Facebook page. Goodbye. Being a part of our Facebook page, you will get updates on our podcast episode releases, got all the movie and TV news that Nico finds out during the week for his news with Nico section. And for that same information, you can follow us on Twitter. Your Twitter is Across Airwaves. There's no the on there, it's just Across Airwaves. Or you can join our circle on Google. Also, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail, which our podcast co-host, Wu Kim, so graciously does every week. And what number can you call to do that, Nico? 773-809-3363. And basically, if you call us, we'll play the voicemail on air that talk about your theories or whatever you wanted to share with us on the show. Also, if you don't want to call in or you want to share your thoughts more privately or with other listeners, you can join the ATA forums at acrosstheairwaves.com slash forums. And there you can discuss all the TV shows we cover, future movies, our podcast episodes, and much, much more. So check it out. We really want to get a strong community there. And we appreciate if you guys can support us through those forums. Also, we have our YouTube channel, which features previews and promos for upcoming TV show episodes and movies. And right now, up on that page, we have trailers for The Lone Ranger, Man of Steel, Star Trek Into Darkness, and many more films that are coming out. And also on that YouTube channel, there's a playlist of all the DC Nation shorts that are shown on Cartoon Network in between episodes of Young Justice and Green Lantern, the animated series. Also, if you don't want to go back through this podcast for all the ways that you can contact us, you can download our Podcast Box app, which will let you stay in contact with our podcast and listen to our podcast episodes on your iPhone or iPad. And if you're on an Android phone, you can get that same content by downloading our Androids app available on our website. So once again, for our fellow ATA podcast core members, Michael J. Petty, Wu Kim, and Andy Babacht, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Reistek. And until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airways. Have a great week, everybody, and look forward to all the mid-season premieres coming next week. See ya. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd need you? Who'd have thought they'd need you? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back.
Now return to our regularly scheduled program.